This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you Thursday night. And uh, we're going to dig into all of the news of the day, and uh, we have a bunch of great guests lined up for you a little bit later. The uh, telephone number, if you want to join our late-night national town hall, and those of you who aren't quite late-night yet, like if you're listening in Hawaii, it's you know, it's early in the day still, uh, just about rush hour, uh, or if you're on the West Coast... Um, it will become eventually late night. And uh, the late night National Town Hall Forum that we have here is open to you as well. 833-482-5337 is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. Now, a couple of things I want to share with you. So um, there's a new report out that uh, indicates that Biden had used a pseudonym, a fake name, kind of like Pierre Delecto. Remember Pierre Delecto? And Romney was using a fake uh, Twitter, Pierre Delecto. Uh, well, Biden's pseudonym is now Robert L. Peters. R Robert L. Peters. Now, why would Biden use a fake name? I don't use a fake name. I use a real name. But anyway, the House Oversight Committee Chair, James Comer, he demanded on Thursday, that's today, this is according to Breitbart News, by the way, that the National Archives and Records Administration hand over all documents and communications in which then-Vice President Joe Biden used the pseudonyms as Robert Peters and Robert Ware. Or J.R.B. Ware, Joseph Robinette Biden Ware. Huh. Biden Ware, that sounds scary. You don't want that near your computer. Anyway, Comer listed the uh, pseudonyms in a letter to the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, in which he demanded access to then-President, uh, Vice President Joe Biden's documents and communications regarding official duties that overlapped with his son's activities in Ukraine. One email, uh, which Comer says the committee has already seen, includes an attachment with the vice president's schedule indicating that he'd spoken by phone to then-Ukrainian president uh, Petro Poroshenko. The email was sent to Robert L. Peters and um, CC'd to the vice president's son, Hunter Biden. So interesting how, again, Biden has consistently said that he has never uh, been involved in any business with his son. He didn't know anything. Uh, you know, first was, I never talked about it. We don't do anything. Well, we, we know you talked about it because we got witnesses that are saying that you have. Okay, well, I've never been in business with my son. Okay, well, now you're copied on the correspondence and you're using a fake name. 
Joe Biden uh, consistently getting caught with his hands in a cookie jar. And again, uh, the left and the media, they uh, revert to their standard talking points. Yes, but this was when he was vice president. He's president now. One has nothing to do with the other. So what? Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. Right. That's the uh, the ongoing story here. Now, the uh, committee led by Comer argues that Biden threatened to withhold United States aid to Ukraine in 2015 until the president of Ukraine fired a prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, who had jurisdiction for an investigation into the Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holdings, of which uh, Hunter Biden, his son, was a board member. Now, Burisma paid Hunter $83,000 a month. You guys know this story. It's a pretty old story. That's just background on the bigger story here of Robert Peters, the uh, pseudonym, a.k.a. Pierre Delecto. 83 grand a month. Uh, let's just pause right there for a second. Imagine what you would do with 83,000 a month. I certainly don't make $83,000 a month, and I would love to, but I don't. And um, he got this position on the board to uh, obtain the Biden brand, as he claims. And um, his associate, Devin Archer, uh, described that in his recent uh, uh, deposition. Uh, later, in 2018, Biden bragged about the firing of Shokin, in which he pushed for during a visit to Ukraine in 2015. And that's the famous um, video you see him on stage. And he's like, well, you know, I told him, if you want those loan guarantees, you're going to fire that prosecutor. Well, son of a gun, they fired that prosecutor before I got on my plane. Right? Remember that? And uh, here's a quote. I'll give, I read the transcript right here. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was about six hours, Biden told the audience. I looked at them and I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a, he got fired. Those are Biden's words, not mine. So earlier in the week, uh, Comer issued a request to NARA uh, for all unredacted materials in which then-VP Biden used a pseudonym to interact with um, Ukraine. Comer explained that he specifically seeks an email titled Email Messages to and or from Vice President Biden and Hunter Biden related to Burisma and Ukraine. Comer said the email attached uh, a document that was sent to Robert L. Peters, which we now know is the pseudonym for Joe Biden. So Joe Biden... I, again, I, I, in my own naivete, in my own uh, ignorance, I would say, sounds like he's in a lot of hot water. Probably not, right? I think ultimately they're going to say, oh, what does that have to do with anything, right? You know, I mean, there's not, it's much to do about nothing. And speaking of Hunter, Hunter Biden's tax charges have been dismissed by a federal judge following the plea deal breakdown. Oh, isn't that convenient? Biden's plea deal on a felony gun charge fell through during his first court appearance last month. And now the Justice Department submitted a filing last week to dismiss the case ahead of a possible trial on Biden's felony gun charge in a different district. After the plea deal fell apart, Biden pleaded not guilty. As uh, prosecutors confirmed, he's still under federal investigation. He was expected to plead guilty to the two misdemeanor tax counts of willful failure to pay federal income tax as part of the plea deal to avoid any jail time on the felony gun charge. So now they've dropped the tax charge. Biden's attorneys and special counsel David Weiss are still uh, fighting over this diversion program concerning the felony gun charge that would allow him to avoid any jail time. 
Now, Weiss has indicated that he plans to potentially take Biden to trial in the future in either Washington, D.C. or California. Weiss strongly rejected any claims by Biden's legal team that his office reneged on the plea deal for the president's son to resolve the federal tax uh, and gun charges, while stressing that the agreement was not in effect. <clears throat> so I don't know what kind of sleight of hand they're playing here, but looks like Hunter's walking away with a big smile. And uh, all of this with now the, the one guy in charge, Weiss, who was in charge already, but now he's in charge with the protection of the special counsel agreement. So how's that? How's that for accountability in Washington? Uh, Weiss also added that Biden chose to plead not guilty at a hearing in, uh, in July, and U.S. probation declined to approve the proposed diversion agreement at that hearing. So, therefore, neither uh, proposed agreement was entered into effect. Weiss said that Biden rejected these counterproposals on August 7th. So... Interesting. Let's see what the next play is going to be here. Are they going to try and prosecute him? Are they going to give him another deal? I don't know. Maybe they feel like they have to throw him under the bus in order for the American people to say, all right, look, this guy didn't get a free pass. Biden's a pretty good guy. He even uh, threw the book at his own son. So maybe we should reelect him. I don't know. I don't know the play here, but we're going to find out. But speaking of getting locked up, uh, yesterday there was a big protest in New York City in Queens where they were protesting the illegal immigration policies of Mayor Eric Adams. And anybody who's been listening to this program or the news in general, you know that there's been a lot, a lot of um, backtracking by Mayor Eric Adams saying that, you know, we don't we have too many people. Yeah, no mas. Right. And he's he's crying. He sounds like a Republican many times. Well, anyway, there was a big protest. Um, our buddy Curtis Sliwa was there and he said, I'm not leaving till I get my point across, even if they got to lock me up. Well, guess what? The mayor's, uh, the cops came out and uh, he was arrested. And Curtis Lee was joining us right after this to tell us about his, uh, his evening in Central Booking. So don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, welcome back. And um, so I was telling you that there was this protest yesterday and uh, New Yorkers in Queens, New York, they said, you know, we're going to rise up because we're tired of what's going on. And they were out there holding up signs, waving their flags, protesting uh, elite Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City. And one of the protesters that was there was Guardian Angels founder and uh, former Republican nominee for New York City mayor, Curtis Sliwa. You've heard him on this program. And he was arrested on Wednesday night, last night, while we were on the air, uh, because he was protesting against new migrant tent cities that are being built in Queens. Now, the city continues to struggle uh, with the surge of immigrants because they are a sanctuary city and the federal government's sending them right there. And uh, the citizens, they said, you know what? We've had enough. They're up in arms and they're ready to, to tackle the issue of having 93,000 new illegal immigrants in New York City since, uh, 
since this uh, surge has happened. So with us to discuss his arrest, his trip to Central Booking himself, Curtis Lewa. Welcome, sir. Oh, my hands across America to the liberty-loving Latino Rich Valdez. And remember, you missed one introductory point. The future Republican uh, candidate from there to take out Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Outstanding. So, Curtis, so I, I saw the videos on social media. I see you there. There's hundreds of people there. Everybody's got their signs up. A very enthusiastic crowd. Uh, I know many of those people uh, from our campaigning together and whatnot. And it seemed like there was a lot of energy. How did this go left? How did it uh, take this this uh, downward turn where you and 13 ended up walking away with handcuffs on? Well, the first thing, Rich, what we do differently is we try to bring Democrats and Republicans together over a common cause, which is to promote and take care of Americans first and migrants to the back of the line, whereas it's all reversed now. So we had moderate Democrats out there. We had independents. We had Republicans. But we recognize that the only way to take it up a few notches is to use acts of civil disobedience. That is to get arrested. Your point is made a lot stronger when you actually revert to civil disobedience. And that's exactly what we did. So 13 of us went into the uh, into the Hootscow local precinct to be processed. This time I didn't get a wooden shampoo or a concrete facial. <laughs> I got high fives. And cops were saying, Mayor Sliwa, Mayor Sliwa. And I said, wait a second. Now you have to suffer. I didn't get elected the last time. So maybe the next time you'll do the right thing and elect Curtis Sliwa mayor. Well, you know, I did see in the video, it seemed like they were really treating you with kit gloves. And it seemed like they had a lot of respect for you and reluctantly arrested you. But they were, I guess, under orders to do what they had to do. Uh, What was your offense? Uh, Because it seemed like it was a very peaceful assembly. Why did they drag you away in handcuffs? Uh, disorderly conduct because, let's face it, I was being a disruptor. And then secondarily, we were obstructing traffic. Traffic couldn't go because we were blocking the roadway. We had called this the night of the walkers and the wheelchairs because almost everybody arrested was 65-plus, including me. We're talking double AARP. (laughs) So now the swagger man with no plan, elite Eric Adams, he's coming after... Um, senior citizens who uh, have an opinion. That's crazy. Now, what was the uh, initial response that you got? It seemed like a really positive response from the crowd. Oh, absolutely. There were people there who had come from all over Long Island and the five boroughs to meet and greet us there. They knew we were going to get arrested. Hundreds were there. Now, in previous demonstrations, AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists of America, had showed up, but she could only get about 40 people. And we had 4,000 people. And so this time I was anticipating that they would ratchet it up, but they couldn't pull their troops out. Because on this issue, which they're so synonymous with, rolling out the red carpet for the illegal aliens, it is not resonating with the American people. The American people have said enough is enough close the border. And in New York City, we've done more than our fair share. So we're saying to Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, put them on the bus, give them a box lunch, send them back to their Papa Chulo, Joe Biden, and let him <laughs> deal with this mess that he created. So you're suggesting they park them uh, in front of the White House? Well, no. The National Mall, between the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial, 
there's this huge green mall. My grandfather went there many years ago with the veterans from World War One. They were called the Notch Babies. They were promised a bonus once they got back from fighting in Europe. When they didn't get the bonus because President Hoover said, sorry, uh, our country is in fiscal, uh, uh, fiscal uh, problems, then all of a sudden my grandfather, Anton, Polish-American, and other Americans who had served in World War I marched all the way to the Washington Mall. They set up tents. They lived there for about a month. And then President Hoover gave orders to General MacArthur and General Eisenhower take down the tents, beat the living daylights out of the veterans, and chase them back to the cities where they came from. That's exactly what happened with my grandfather, Anton. He limped back to Chicago without his notch baby bonus. So, look, they've had tents there before in the National Mall, put up tents there now for the illegal aliens, and let Joe Biden and Eagle Harris and Mayorkas, all of those who have been missing in action on this issue, let them bring them milk and cookies every day and night. <laughs> Folks, we're on with Curtis Sliwa, founder of the Guardian Angels, New York City radio host, and uh, now we know soon to be a uh, mayoral candidate in New York City. And uh, uh, the report I'm looking at says you were chanting, have pity, no tent city. So tell me why residents, and I mean, it's pretty obvious, but why were they um, so adamant about fighting the tent city in this particular area? Well, three reasons, Rich. First off, this is at Creedmoor, one of the largest New York State psychiatric facilities. It's there to care for those who have mental health problems, of which there are many roaming the streets of New York, riding the subways, and living in parks. Why aren't we taking care of Americans first? Some of them are veterans. Most of them are African-Americans. Now, the mayor, Eric Adams, swagged a man with no plan. He happens to be African-American. He got elected because the African-Americans came out in large numbers and voted for him. So why, why should they not be prioritized with the number of problems that many have? Alcohol problems, drug addiction, emotionally disturbed, homeless, destitute, veterans without a place to live. Why aren't we taking care of them first and foremost? So that was number one. Number two, 30 percent of the beds in uh, Creedmoor, the psychiatric facility, are occupied the other 70% are empty. We need to take care of those who are emotionally disturbed by bringing them into that hospital. And then lastly, these are 1,000 single able-bodied men with high levels of testosterone crashing through your cranium, their cranium with nowhere to go, nothing to do, no curfew. And you know that's a recipe for them getting into double trouble. And the community is going to is standing down on these folks. And they're telling them, you better not come into our neighborhood and start walking to our property and start doing home invasions and causing problems. Folks, we're on with Curtis Sliwa, founder of the Guardian Angels Safety Patrol Group in New York City. You know him from the radio. You know him from this program, of course. And uh, he's going to continue with us as we uh, figure out what was going on with this stuff. He was arrested last night, and there's a case I want to ask him about, so we're going to do that on the way back. Give us a call, 833 valdez Eight three three four valdez This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. So the infamous New York City bail law has freed an illegal alien wanted by the feds, and now he's accused of rape. New York's bail reform law freed from jail an illegal alien wanted by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, for a prior conviction who's now accused of savagely raping a woman in Delaware County. His name is Cruz Garcia's 43-year-old illegal alien, And he was arrested this week and charged with second-degree strangulation, first-degree unlawful imprisonment, and first-degree rape. Now, this has happened in Delaware, but again, he was freed in New York. And uh, it's not the first time we've heard a story like this, but here we are. Curtis Lewa, welcome back. Folks, we're on with Curtis Lewa, founder of the Guardian Angels Safety Patrol Group, uh, New York City radio host extraordinaire, one of my mentors, and... uh, soon-to-be candidate for mayor in New York City, Curtis Lewa. What do you think about this? Worse yet, uh, Richie Valdez, is we've had two of the recent illegal aliens who come into New York City who then uh, volunteered to go up to Erie County outside of Buffalo, Cheektowaga, in Super 8 motels. And back-to-back, belly-to-belly, one night a Venezuelan illegal alien raped one of the female workers at that Super 8. And then the next night, across town at another Super 8 motel, some guy from the Congo, who was an illegal alien, raped a female member who was working on the staff of that Super 8 motel. Uh, So I'm not at all shocked nor surprised. Now, uh, the zero bail, uh, which exists in uh, New York State, no cash bail, was imposed Mm -hmm. by... Andrew evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Fracha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. And it has allowed murderers, rapists, violent criminals to become predicate offenders with no fear that they're going to be remanded to jail, no bail. Many of them have committed crimes again and have been released on their own recognizance with a little ankle bracelet to monitor them. But you know how good that works. You take that bracelet off, you put it around a cat's neck, let it walk around the apartment while you do the bird and you go run in the streets. It's a farce. It's a, a no way to run a law enforcement uh, agency nor to provide law and order for the public. You know, Curtis Lee, law and order has been your brand since day one. Yesterday, uh, somebody, a buddy of mine from high school, actually, he's out in, I think he's in Oregon right now, Portland, Oregon, uh, or Seattle, one of those. And he sent me a, a story about you, uh, but it was an old story. It was an old story about you organizing. I think it was in Portland. Did you guys have a chapter in Portland? Yeah, in the Burnside area in Old Town, 
that's when you had what they call hobos and homeless. There was a bit of a sort of a romantic notion to it. Uh, we have the Guardian Angels there now in Portland, but, oh, has it gotten ugly. That city has fallen into the abyss like a lot of other large cities. The whole downtown area is devastated. Yeah, so I mentioned to him, I said, oh, he said, this guy right here is the real deal. And I said, oh, he sure is. I know him. He's actually coming on my show tonight. And this was last night. And, and, and it made me think, you know, you're, you're the law and order guy. And there's such a need for law and order in New York City. Yet we don't have it. What's up with that? We don't because there's this perception that the people who commit crime uh, should not be blamed. Let's look at their... The, re, the way they came about in existing in this world. Are they poor? Are they impoverished? Uh, are they special ed? Do they have other uh, unique problems to their growth cycle? And then we make excuses after excuse for their aberrant behavior. Hey, look, there got to be consequences for actions. And what we're seeing is mass migration south of the Mason-Dixon line to parts of America that don't have this incredible violent crime problem as you see in a place like New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Body Bag City, Washington, D.C., St. Louis, Chicago, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Oakland, Los Angeles, things are so out of control, anarchy reigns, so people, rather than improve and don't move, they put up the for sale sign, and they're going to go into areas of the country where they can be safe and secure, and that sure ain't here, Rich Valdez. That sure ain't up north. That's 100%. So what can, um, I guess, Americans and mainly New Yorkers expect with you running for mayor? You, you ran for mayor. I think you, you, you made a, a strong push, uh, but, but you fell short, and Adams is in office. How are you going to unseat him, and what are you bringing to the table that's going to fix the problem? Well, previous to the first election, Eric Adams had no kind of background track record to gauge him. He mm-hmm. appeared to be a nice African-American guy who had done 20 years who, who of lives service. lives in New Jersey. Right. But I got to be honest with you. He's now sold the New York City residents in a little less than two years wolf tickets. You can't think of any one thing that he is synonymous with other than blaming everybody but himself. So what I'm going to do from day one, we got to deal with this uh, illegal alien situation. Stop every bus coming in from Texas. Turn them around, give them all box lunches, let them use the lavatories and facilities, and then shoot them straight to Washington to their Papa Chulo, Joe Biden. That's one. <laughs> Number two, zero tolerance for all the quality of life crimes, because all of these crimes are now being permitted. They're being, they're being done openly and brazenly, from shoplifting to boosting to shooting up drugs to selling drugs to doing graffiti to people acting out. All that's going to stop. Day one, I'm going to tell the cops, I'm, I'm unhandcuffing you. Go out and do the job you were trained to do. And if you get sued as a result of going over the top, I got you back. That's what qualified immunity used to do. But unfortunately, in our state of New York, all the politicians who like to be protected by the police when they make their rounds, uh, they've stripped them of qualified immunity. So each and every cop is on their own whenever they decide to get physically involved. So what they do is they hesitate. I'm going to tell them, we got your back. You, we've restored qualified immunity. Go out and do your job and thumb some thugs. You know, it's fascinating that the politicians have made this move to remove qualified immunity from law enforcement because 
Um, all I can think of is every politician has qualified immunity for what they do when they're in office, yet they want to take away what a police officer will do in, in his role. And it seems to me like it's the height of hypocrisy, Curtis. Well, think of it, Rich. There are judges who have made the wrong decision and put the wrong men and women mm -hmm. away in jail for a long time. They have qualified immunity. District attorneys have qualified immunity. Everybody has qualified immunity in New York State except for cops. And ever since they were stripped of that qualified immunity, which means there's insurance to protect them from personally being sued, they have surrendered, they have retreated, they are not getting involved. And we basically served up the city of New York, which used to have the finest police department in the world, to the criminal element who have the cops on the run. You know, Curtis, I was watching um, Fox News a couple of weeks ago, and there you were, uh, and you were doing a live report in front of the Roosevelt Hotel. And I know that you always keep your ear to the ground. Uh, for those who don't know, Curtis doesn't even have a car, right? You, Curtis rides the subway everywhere in the city. That's how he gets around. He stopped using cabs. Well, maybe we'll talk about that in the next, in the next, tell why you don't use cabs anymore. Uh, but we'll do that on the other side. Let me give him the phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES is the number. We're coming back with Curtis Sliwa, founder of the Guardian Angels and hopefully the next mayor of New York City. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. of the Guardian Angels. He ran for mayor in New York City. He's announced on this program he's running for mayor again. And we're, I was just telling you, Curtis Sliwa, you know, I've worked with him for years, and he uh, he's an excellent broadcaster. And he, uh, whenever we went out, it was always, you know, we would, we would walk or we would take a train. The subway system in New York, that's what he knows. Uh, he doesn't do too many cabs anymore. And that's because he had an interesting run-in with the cabs. Now, I told this whole story. Actually, he told the whole story, and I listened to it on a podcast that I did a few years ago, one of the best podcasts ever. It was one of the highest rated, um, where Curtis told his story. Uh, he actually got kidnapped in a New York City taxi cab. Curtis Sliwa, welcome back. Oh, my pleasure. And by the way, I noticed uh, you're in a special category in these People's Choice Radio Awards, radio talk show hosts in exile. And that's certainly you, Rich Valdez, like Napoleon, <laughs> who was exiled to the island of Elba, You've been exiled to somewhere in Bergen County that I can't even find on a map. <laughs> it's nice around. It's nice in Bergen County. It sure is. You know, thank you, Curtis Lee. And, you know, uh, I was just telling everybody about um, your, your interesting story of being in the back of a taxi cab. And I know everybody wants to hear your take on the news of the day. But give us a little glimpse in the next four or five minutes on exactly what happened on that fateful day when uh, you got into the taxi cab. Never forget, it was June 19th of 1992. I was on my way to WABC to do the morning drive show. I had been broadcasting uh, 
and giving people updates on the trial against John Gotti Sr., the head of organized crime. That was the last trial. That was the one in which he was found guilty. Triple life without parole he did based on the testimony of his, uh, uh, the rat who ate the Parmesan cheese in his trial, Sammy the Bull Gravano, his underboss, mm. and Memorex tapes that had him in crystal clear fashion ordering the execution of people that worked for him in the Gambino crime family. So they took umbrage to the fact that I was railing against John Gotti Sr., John Gotti Jr., and the Gambino crime family. So they wanted revenge. And what they did was they put a gunman underneath the dashboard in a cab that they had stolen in Jerry Ray. And as they were taking me towards what I thought was WABC, based on what I told the cab driver, the gunman pops up, starts capping me, shoots six bullets, hollow point bullets at my lower extremity. Five of them hit me. And I realized it was do or die. I had to get out of there. Or I was going to bleed out. I ended up jumping out of the window of a moving cab sucking concrete. The two, the two uh, killers thought they had done the deed, drove away, and I was able to be put back together like Humpty Dumpty who fell off the wall. And I got put together all back again. Every part of my body that had been shredded by those hollow point bullets was surgically removed and repaired. I took the licking and came back kicking Rich Valdez. You know, Curtis, I, I remember I was a kid in high school when that happened. And I remember hearing it. it was all over the news. Curtis Lee was shot five times. And a lot of people didn't know if you were going to make it from that. And here you are talking all the smack that you talk. And it's just, it's an amazing story of resilience. And uh, I encourage everybody, if you've never heard that episode, uh, it was a couple of years ago on This Is America with Rich Valdez, my podcast. I recommend that you listen to it. It's a remarkable story. Now, Curtis Lee, now that you've been through everything, you've been through the concrete jungle of New York City, you've been arrested. Was this your 75th arrest? Yes, the 78th arrest. Uh, my proudest arrest to date. And 79 will be on Sunday. We're ratcheting it up every demonstration against these migrant encampments where we're telling them, go back to your country of origin. We're taking care of Americans first. It is an American first policy that we should have. And to drive home the point, we're willing to go to jail. People have to extend themselves. Can't just show up with a sign. You got to be willing to go down for the count. That's what people respect. I agree. Now, I want everybody to know that you're still on the radio, even though you're out there getting arrested and doing demonstrations, running for mayor, campaigning, being involved, running the Ronald Reagan Republican Club and all of the great things that you're doing. You're still on the radio on the weekends for this incredible amount of time, right? I think you go on right after I finish at 1 a.m. and then you go on until like Monday morning. Is that right? That's right. I pimp your ride. The audience flips the script over to me at WABC, always broadcasting, Curtis. So thanks for being my leading Rich Valdez for warming up the audience because then I take it to the max. I take them to the break of dawn. Thank you, Rich Valdez. And thank you to all your listeners. Absolutely. And folks, give them a listen on WABC radio. Uh, great station now owned by John Katsimatidis, who was on this program a couple of weeks ago. Another one with a great story. Curtis, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you, your website, and how they can make donations if that's possible at this time. Absolutely. The love of my life, other than my wife and my three sons, are the guardian angels that I created 46 years ago. Just go to guardianangels.org. That's guardianangels.org. You'll see we're in 13 countries. 
130 cities. We have 5,000 members internationally. We even have a rescue unit that will be in Maui on Monday quicker than Joe Biden with FEMA. But if you can give us some help, financial help, it helps us get the job done. We're all volunteers. We dare to care. And we think it's us and we, not I and me, that solves the problems that afflict us on a day-to-day basis. Well, Curtis Lee, you're, you're a national treasure. You're always welcome here. I appreciate you. Keep up the good work. Godspeed, sir. Oh, anytime. I'll put my hands across America for Rich Valdez, the liberty-loving Latino. <laughs> Thank you, Curtis. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Our phone number, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So marijuana and hallucinogen use, binge drinking, have reached record highs in middle-aged adults. (laughs) This is according to a new survey. Last year, more middle-aged adults were binge drinking, using marijuana, or consuming hallucinogens than ever before. And that's according to a new report. Uh, This cannabis use has now surged amongst young adults under 30 alongside historic rates of vaping as well. The new data comes from the University of Michigan's Monitoring the Future uh, study, which tracks substance abuse amongst adults between 19 and 60 years old. Uh, Here's a quote from it. It just says, substance abuse is not limited to teens and young adults, and the data here helps us understand how people use drugs across their lifespan. The... 2022 survey results uh, show that marijuana was reported around to be used by around 44% of adults under 30. And that's up 28% from just 10 years ago. So think of that 2013, um, 28% fewer people were smoking weed. Uh, More people use marijuana daily than ever before, doubling since 2012. Cannabis has also been spiked, uh, spiking amongst adults ages 35 to 50 with a 28% increase uh, of use of marijuana in 2022. And, and that's up 17% from five years ago. So Puff Puff Pass is where it's at. Everybody's smoking weed, apparently. And, and it, I guess they're not even smoking weed because that's the, the new thing is people are more like vaping their weed or um, consuming it in the form of a gummy, which is a, a big thing. A couple of weeks ago, I was going to a barbecue with my friends. And uh, they were like, oh, I just got to stop at the store. You, you want to wait in the car? And I was like, nah, I'm going to get hot in the car. I'll go. So I went into the store. And it looked like a candy store. And it turns out I was in a dispensary. I had never been to one before. And I was in there. And I'm looking at just the way, like an old school candy store with, you know, with the countertops and these little glass jars with the little tin uh, covers where you pull it out and you pull out the, you know, bazooka gum or whatever type of little candy that's like five cents or whatever. Um, but it had weed in there, 
these little packages with like three buds of marijuana. And I was like, wow, I'd never seen this, like, you know, openly. And it was like three little buds for $10. And I thought, you know, when I was in high school, I remember they would sell you like one little thing for $10 back then. And they called it a dime bag. It seems like inflation went the other way with marijuana. It seemed to be cheaper at the dispensary now that they're legal, um, as opposed to everything else that's become more expensive. I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that. That's not my bag. But it was just very interesting to see all of that. So anyway, I bring that up because we're going to talk about marijuana in the military straight ahead with General Anthony Tata, retired general and Department of Defense officials. So don't go anywhere. That's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, we'll get into some foreign affairs with him as well. Don't go anywhere. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. We're coming right back, and we're just getting started. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, here with you this Thursday evening. Our phone number, if you want to join us, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, we've heard about, if you've heard earlier today, the um, government official who was in charge of sounding the alarm uh, didn't sound the alarm He's in charge of the emergency management agency in Maui, uh, and he justified his claim saying, look, I didn't ring the alarm because people would be seeking higher ground if the sirens sounded. If that was the case, they would have gone directly into the fire, and that's why I didn't do it. And uh, he was out there defending himself, and um, here we are just a little while ago. His resignation has been announced. He's resigned, citing health reasons. And uh, he's gone. Now they don't have their emergency management guy anymore. And I just think it's so interesting. Uh, My particular take on this is I I understand what he's saying. Uh, I also think that if you sound the alarm, people freak out. And you want people to freak out when the whole city is burning in a wildfire. Now, the, the concern about running toward the fire, I get that. But I also think if you hear an alarm and you think it's some sort of typhoon or whatever it is, and you start running towards higher ground and you see these huge black uh, clouds of smoke and fire all over the place. They look like fire tornadoes in the video that I saw. Then I think you're going to run the other way again, right? And and that could have alerted lots of people with over 100 people dead now. So uh, that's just my take, but that's the breaking news on this one. This uh, gentleman has retired. I believe his name is Mr. Andaya. So he's out. That's uh, part of the breaking news there. Now... Uh, There's also a poll out that sees no change in Americans' disapproval of Biden's economic policy. Apparently, the policy remains the same. And the U.S. military recruitment crisis, that is also, if not worse, it's continuing. 
And leaders from the Army and Navy and Air Force uh, all dutifully reported that they expected to miss their annual recruitment goal this year by thousands. So what have they decided? Well, about three or four weeks ago, uh, there was a proposal put out by Florida Congressman Matt Gates saying um, maybe we need to stop testing for marijuana for people coming into the military. And this was met with some criticism and back and forth. And I think a lot of people don't understand uh, the um, all of it. Um, I, I would agree. If you're not high when you're signed up, then you should probably be able to join. Uh, I just think it, it might be of concern to some people if you're like in a foxhole and, you know, you're smoking a do, but your buddy. And again, I don't know that that happens or not, but probably uh, not ideal. Although somebody I'm sure will argue with me and say, no, it's, it's exactly what they need. It's a very high stress situation. They need to relax. This is the best way. Uh, listen, I'm open to having that conversation, but that's where we are. And with, uh, we know now that marijuana uses up uh, somewhere between 28 and 44% of with all age groups. It's uh, it's definitely a big thing. So with us to discuss marijuana in the military, I could barely say that, is uh, retired Brigadier General Anthony Tata, U.S. Army. He was a Department of Defense official, and he's with us to discuss. General, welcome, sir. Great to be with you, Rich. Thank you. Yes, sir. So upon hearing this news a few weeks ago about marijuana in the military and this push that Congress is putting uh, forward to loosen the cannabis rules and hopefully ease the military recruitment crisis. What's your initial reaction to that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when I was a young lieutenant, uh, even cadet at West Point in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, both uh, marijuana use and uh, any kind of DUI, uh, they were strictly verboten in their immediate discharge. And, and they were viewed as uh, sort of the, you know, basic fun, fundamental uh, hallmarks of discipline, right? Uh, these are things that um, you you could not do, did not do, particularly um, if you were uh, currently serving. Uh, and you were asked questions on the um, your security clearance, uh, whether or not you had uh, used any kind of illegal drugs before. Now, and, and you know, the military, Rich, is just a cross-section of society, Right. So uh, that was 40 years ago. And today, uh, society has evolved and has changed, you know, whether you like it or not. Uh, uh, cannabis use is legal in, in many, many places around the country. And so I, I think Gates has, uh, you know, is on to something uh, that uh, if someone has used cannabis uh, and they decide that they want to serve their country, uh, that in and of itself, I do not believe, should be disqualifying. Uh, that said, um, I think that um, using it while serving is uh, uh, should should not be allowed. I don't think that there's any room to mix, um, you know, alcohol abuse or or any kind of uh, narcotics, uh, cannabis, uh, with uh, weapons, firearms. Uh, barracks, uh, you know, uh, military uh, order and discipline. I just don't uh, see any room for that. But prior use uh, in and of itself, in my view, should not be a disqualification given the evolution of society today. Right. And of course, it's, it's noteworthy to point out that what was, you know, once illegal uh, is not legal, is not illegal anymore, right? It's now legal in, in 38 states, right. 
um, in New Jersey, there was an article that came out last summer that was um, saying that cops, because cops are not allowed, they get random testing, and if they show cannabis in their system, they would get in trouble. New Jersey just relaxed that rule, saying if they want to smoke on the weekend, they can, and it might stay in their system for 30 days, so we're not going to test for that anymore. And, and or if we test for it and we find it, it, it won't be a disciplinary issue, which I thought, well, that's interesting, uh, because, you know, and again, I'm, I don't have, really have an opinion one way or the other, but I'm just thinking... If, if you're testing for, for, for drugs and you find that, okay, this guy tested positive for it, how do you know if he did it on the weekend when he was off or if he did it, te- you know, an hour ago, you know, uh, other than right. visibly looking right. at somebody? So I think there's gaps in there in, in the system that they put forward. But that's where we are in, in today's uh, society. So I appreciate your take on that. I also want to get your take on a couple of other things. Uh, the president uh, has now signed off on the issuance of some fighter jets uh, to Ukraine. And we're going to get to that straight ahead. Folks, we're on with uh, Brigadier General Anthony Tata, retired from the United States Army. Uh, he's also the author of a great novel. It's called Total Empire, a Garrett Sinclair novel. You want to check that out. Get Add that to your summer reading list. Pick up a copy or two. And we're going to do that straight ahead, plus your questions. If you want to ask a question of General Tata, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back. We're on with Brigadier General Anthony Tata, United States Army, retired. And he's the author of Total Empire, a Garrett Sinclair novel. We're going to get into the book in a moment. But first, I want your reaction on this story uh, that the United States has approved the sending of F-16s to Ukraine from Denmark and the Netherlands. Now, this was a point of contention way back early when it was really needed, and he was begging Zelensky, begging, saying, we need air power, we need to hit him from the air, we need to protect ourselves. And Biden was really slow and dragging his feet, and now there seems to have been a change of heart. General, what say you? Yeah, so we've seen a significant evolution in this administration's um, posture toward uh, Ukraine and toward NATO, in fact. And when, you know, Poland wanted to send uh, MiG fighter jets to Ukraine uh, back uh, 18 months ago, almost, uh, this, the administration said no. And, uh, you know, now Russia enjoys air superiority, if not air supremacy, um, over Ukraine. And uh, so it's a day late and a dollar short, I think. Uh, the good news here is that it's it's not our equipment per se. Uh, you know, F-16 is ours, of course. But, uh, you know, uh, Denmark and uh, Netherlands have bought these jets. And then NATO members will be providing uh, them to Ukraine and, and doing the pilot training. And uh, I'm, I'm an advocate of 
buttressing NATO, reinforcing NATO uh, vis-a-vis the action, uh, the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, and and holding NATO, fortifying NATO, and uh, getting NATO to uh, do more to uh, defend its own turf uh, instead of leading with the chin of the American soldier or pilot. So uh, I, I, I think this is a good development, uh, but I think it's too little too late. Uh, you know, much of uh, eastern Ukraine is, has been destroyed by Russian uh, air power. And, and uh, so, uh, but it could be helpful for this quote-unquote spring offensive that is now well into the summer, that is not going anywhere fast, and uh, perhaps an added punch here in a month or two, it'll be the fall offensive, of course, um, that could potentially uh, claw back some land in eastern Ukraine. Now, would you, I guess, I I just want your thoughts, really. Um, It seems to me, right, there's two ways we could look at it. Either there's a major shift in Biden's foreign policy saying, all right, you know what, we're on second thought, we're going to do that. Or B, let's wait until these people are decimated. And they don't really need them like they needed them before. And then we'll say, okay. So at least we could say we said, okay, but it's not going to make much of a difference now. Which of the two seems more likely, or is there a third that I'm missing? Yeah, yeah, I I would say C, Rich, uh, based on my estimation, my experience Mm -hmm. as the undersecretary for policy uh, in the previous administration. And what I I think they were deer in the headlights when this happened. I I think they didn't know what to do. uh, you know, remember they offered uh, Zelensky a ride out. They, you know, if Trump if Trump were president and made that offer, he would be impeached for offering to help Putin by decapitating the Ukrainian government. But right. the media does nothing with this. I mean, literally, Blinken offered Zelensky a ride out of Ukraine on the eve of the invasion. Uh, nothing could have been more debilitating to the Ukrainian military or people or war effort. And so this this administration really had no clue. Um, you had neophytes uh, in, in state and defense that were truly deer in the headlights on this. And and so now what you've seen is an evolution uh, of their posture to do nothing because we're scared about um, you know what might happen. And remember, all the intel was saying, oh, in three days, everybody's going to be speaking Russian. And I was one of the few voices out there on you know, major networks saying this is going to be a long haul. This is not. I know the Ukrainian people. I had a roommate at West Point that was Ukrainian and and mm. was actually killed in Ukraine when he went to fight after the Maidan riots in 2014. So I understand their passion. I commanded Ukrainian troops in Kosovo. Uh, I had a battalion of Ukrainians uh, serving under me. Uh, so I understand the technical competence. Um, and and what this administration has done is over time as as it didn't turn into a fait accompli they said wait a minute you know maybe we can get some political mileage out of it i think it's a political thing for this administration you know that the the left tries to paint anybody who's moderate to conservative as a putin stooge and so the more they can try to stick it to putin the i think in their mind they're sticking it to uh, you know, conservatives in, in, in this country, which couldn't be from the truth. But 
I, I believe that that's what they see. So a lot of this is political for this administration mm-hmm. and, and spending a lot of money in Ukraine uh, rubs against uh, a lot of conservatives that, that are, are trending more toward, um, you know, being libertarian and, and isolationist. And, and so it's become a domestic political battle that um, this administration is waging by by way of giving more money, more equipment to Ukraine. And and I, I don't think it's a whole lot more than that. Yeah. I don't think that this administration has any grand vision. They fundamentally broke NATO uh, when when uh, with the botched Afghanistan withdrawal two years ago mm-hmm. uh, by not telling them that we were leaving and leaving all 30 member nations to find their own ways out of there. And it was... The, you know, another thing the media is not covering because it's just absolutely devastating uh, the way this administration has broken NATO. That's really well put. Now, General, I want to make sure the audience has a chance to hear about Total Empire, uh, your new book, The Total Empire, a Garrett Sinclair novel. Tell us all about it. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Rich. Uh, uh, Total Empire is uh, book six, uh, 15 for me, It's and it's the second in the Garrett Sinclair series following the uh, uh, two years ago, Chasing the Lion. And uh, Total Empire takes place at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, now, you know, Camp Liberty or whatever they're calling it, uh, with uh, Joint Special Operations. And in uh, uh, Morocco, uh, Dakla Peninsula, and Mauritania, and very severe um, Saharan uh, desert uh, terrain. And our hero, Garrett Sinclair, is out to rescue his goddaughter, um, the daughter of his command sergeant major, who goes missing in the Sahara Desert and uncovers a sinister plot by the Chinese to combine hypersonic uh, glide nuclear weapons in outer space with a laser targeting system as they commit nuclear blackmail of the United States. Uh, So the race to the finish uh, and you've got some traitors, people, as all my books have in the uh, White House and DOD and, and Department of State, uh, along with uh, many, many heroes, uh, great Americans trying to do the right thing. So uh, it's a fun read. It's uh, getting uh, great, great reviews on Amazon and Goodreads and, and uh, certainly from uh, all the trade journals like Publishers Weekly and um uh, yeah, uh, Total Empire, uh, great read, great summer read, uh, beach read. Total Empire, a Garrett Sinclair novel. Now, I, while I know it's a novel, uh, h- how much of this is informed by like real life experience and like real events? Yeah, so I get that question a lot when I go out on book tour, Rich. And um, I, 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 what I would say is that I'm a retired Army general, as you mentioned. Uh, certainly, you know, my agent said, Tony, right. Right from first person, uh, you know, the story about Army General. And and so, you know, I created this fictional character. It's not me at all. I didn't command Joint Special Operations Command. Uh, but the characteristics, right. the, value, the values um, are all things that um, I hold dear. And, and so our protagonist, uh, Garrett Sinclair, is, uh, is a good man uh, fighting a good fight uh, up against uh, – uh, insane odds, uh, both domestically and internationally, and and uh, these these books, whether it's my Garrett Sinclair or Jake Mahegan series or my Threat series, mm-hmm. all of these all of these books uh, capture the best of America. 
Folks, grab a copy of the book Total Empire, a Garrett Sinclair novel by Anthony Tata, Brigadier General. And uh, General, I want to thank you for being with us. I'm grateful for your time. Thanks for staying up late. I hope to do it again soon. And best of luck with the book. Yeah, thank you, Rich. You bet. God bless and Godspeed. Folks, we're coming right back. There's more to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue our conversation. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, this has been in the news and it's been really interesting because the the football team, the Washington, it's the Washington Commanders, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was once the Redskins, and now there's a Native American group that said, hey, we have to change it back. <laughs> and I think that's so funny, and uh, I want to get to the bottom of that with our guest, Sheila Steinmark. Uh, she's the CEO of Mog XP, and she's with us now. Sheila Steinmark, welcome. Hello, how are you? I am doing wonderful. So let's um, dig into this because it's... Um, it's it's interesting to me that they, they changed the name, I guess, because it, they, they felt it was offensive to certain groups. And then uh, all of a sudden, the same group that was supposedly offended, now this group is saying, no, 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 change it back. You cannot erase history. Let's change the name back. What say you? Well, they first went from the Redskins to the Washington football team and went two seasons as that and then changed it to the commanders. And now they're talking about it. So at a certain point, they just have to decide who they are. Um, you can't change your brand. You can't change your company name or a franchise every time somebody's upset. You know, you want to be respectful. You want to be understanding and inclusive. But at the same time, there comes a point where you also have to run it as a business. And it is ridiculous to even think that they would change back. Now, what is the... Um, the implication or, or the, the detriment here uh, to the team from your perspective as a, as a marketing guru that you, you change it from one, then you change it to another, and now you're thinking of changing it back. Um, I remember some years ago I saw similar happen with a big wireless company that merged. I think it was called Singular Wireless, and they merged with AT&T, and they took over, and then they were – gonna call it singular wireless and they said you know what let's go back to at&t it's a better brand but they went with it for a while and i think they realized the at&t wireless is clearly a, a more known name so let's stick with that and again me not being a marketing genius uh, i would think duh that's that's what you should have done to begin with and same here why are these decisions made is it just uh, external pressures is it trying to impress upon a certain group or is it just really maybe their own naivete and they're not as good at marketing as they think I think it's a little bit of each. I think, first of all, they caved to um, what was the demand of the time. And at that time, everything was, okay, we, we don't want to do anything to upset Native Americans. We have different classes or different groups that do not want to be associated with, with certain titles. 
I get it. But at the same time, um, if you are concerned about that as an overall feeling or a negativity, then do something for the people. Don't do something about the brand. Um, changing the name doesn't help anyone. So right. um, it, it was a co- it was a quick band aid for a culture um, a cultural issue, and then they turned around and they're looking at doing the same decision. Um, in reverse, because again, a Native American group has said, you know, right now we have over 200,000 signatures and we're going to boycott you. Well, at a certain point, every brand um, decides what they stand for. And so at a certain point, make a decision and stick with it. But for branding purposes, the cost of rebranding, the negative consumer reaction to going back and forth, and the insensitivity of um, being so flip about changing your name back and forth um, makes it disingenuous. Now, Sheila Steinmark, tell us a little bit uh, about the work that you uh, do at MogXP. So we're an experiential marketing company, and I'm a fractional CMO. So I work with medium-sized companies to help them grow their company and create a true brand. And you see some of these really elementary mistakes being made by really big companies. How did you get involved in this type of work? Um, I've been in it for over 30 years. I started at Anheuser-Busch. I what do you think about, well, let me just ask you, what do you think about the whole Bud Light thing? Seems like that was another example of how they took a great brand and really just kind of trashed it. They're struggling. Um, they were an American icon, and America, the people of the U.S. want them to continue to be that. And they are no longer looking at the same things that the company did in its heyday. Um, they have made some decisions that were done by individuals based on emotions and what the the topic of the day is or where we're we're leading in certain areas or or trying to to make progress when in doing that they're not really looking at what their core demographic is um they're not looking at their brand as a whole and they're not looking at what they owe to their their shareholders before anything else, yes, you have a, a, a responsibility to the public at, at, as a whole, but you first, as a publicly held company, you have an obligation to your shareholders, and that is to bring value to the stock. And when you step into something as controversial as that, then um, you're playing with fire, and they got caught. Yeah, and it's been four months of, of, uh, of a downturn for them. But there is Absolutely. a, a uh, Deutsche Bank survey that came out, I think, today or maybe late last night uh, that is indicating that they've, they've, they seem to be on the upswing. I don't know how accurate that is, um, but um, what do, you, do you think Bud Light survives this or is this just a brand that's going to just eventually die off? I don't know. Um, it, right now, I think it's a, a toying cost a coin toss, I really think that they need to come out and get in front of it. Their apology wasn't seen as sincere. And 
um, they blamed it on one person and kind of pushed it away. When it comes down to it, they also need to look at how their brands have reversed. So Budweiser for years was the king of beer and Bud Light was a much more inclusive brand. Um, they did a lot in the LBT um, Q popular, um, population. They did a ton of events. They supported um, different causes. They supported a lot of pride events. And when the demographics of the brands changed, they didn't change with it. And they are now the flagship brand. And in yeah. doing that, um, they have a huge, huge responsibility to, to shareholders. And Target's another example of that. Uh, there's um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of reports that their sales are continuing to dwindle after the um, backlash from conservatives that just didn't support the the uh, LGBTQ uh, content that was being put on display uh, for children in particular. Uh, I, I don't know that Target's going to shutter their stores like they have in San Francisco, but I, I do know that it's it seems to be you know, once you get this black eye, I don't know, I don't think it may shut you down, but I think you don't really get those customers back. Uh, my my uh, anecdotal estimation, but from your professional opinion, do you, do you think people like boycott and then go, okay, I'm going to go back? Or do they permanently lose those people and have to find new ones? The, the core folks who leave, who are truly leaving for a reason and not because it is um, the the news of the day um, won't ever come back. Most people do end up coming back because a lot of those brands are ingrained in people's, in their culture, it's in their day-to-day lives. And that's why they're such big brands and and have such a huge following. Um, But it takes a lot. And um, it, they have to show a certain amount of sensitivity. They have to be open. They have to talk about what they did wrong and um, steer into it. And most of the brands don't. And at a certain point, the brand has to decide what they stand for. They have to decide if, they're, if they want to have that culture or if they feel otherwise. I mean, there are lots of polarizing views right now and companies have to either stay out of it or take a stand and there are consequences for both folks we're on with sheila steinmark uh ceo and fractional uh cmo chief marketing officer she's the the head of the mog xp uh corporation and uh, i want to thank her for being with us sheila let everybody know how they can uh, keep up to speed with what you're doing uh, we are at mogxp.com. Please check out our website and see some of the great things we're doing. Outstanding. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate your insight and analysis as well. Godspeed. Thank you. You're welcome. Folks, we're going to get to your call straight ahead. I know you want to weigh in on this Redskin stuff and everything else on this marketing conversation we're having, as well as the other topics we've discussed tonight. So don't go anywhere. 833-4825-337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, Familia, welcome back. And just a reminder... Open Phone America, our open phone hour of the show is coming up at the top of the hour. So make sure you get your calls in for that. We're going to have a good time tonight. And uh, I want to go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA, and check in with Phil. Phil's been on hold to weigh in on this, uh, the Redskins. Go right ahead. Um, Yes, I would just like to say that um, I've been thinking that the whole time that they should change the name back to the Redskins because that's what their history is. Their Super Bowls, um, Joe Theismann, Joe Gibbs, Doug Williams. Um, I mean, and I think from a branding uh, standpoint, that's what's going to make the team and the NFL the most money. I don't think that the commanders or the football team is ever going to have that kind of success and uh, financially that the Redskins had. Yeah, I think you've got a solid point there. Uh, I, I, if it were my team and they said, oh, they're giving us pressure, I'd say, forget the pressure, man. That's, this is a, a, an age-old brand, and we're not going to, you know, um, cow to, to that type of pressure. Uh, and, and nothing to offend anyone. It's just it's, that's what it is. It's what it's always been. That's what the fans, you got fans all over the place that know the name. They know the brand. And uh, you're right. There's history there. How do you go and change something like that? And listen, I get it. Sometimes you have to change. Sometimes you know, something may happen. But this didn't seem like the type of something that should cause for such a dramatic change, in my opinion. Uh, so I agree with you, Phil. I think uh, uh, very apt analysis. Um, thank you for your call from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA, America's oldest radio station. Let us continue. Other side of the country, Sedona, Arizona, KNFO, listening online to Rich Valdez, com. Pat, what's up, my man? Hey, can you hear me? I hear you. You sound like you're underneath something or in the bottom of a fish tank, but I hear you. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Well, say some words. You're on the radio. Okay. I'm on the radio. Okay. Uh, I was a, a, a marketing major in college. and it was It's the- tough to hear you, Pat. I'm going to put you on hold for a second so we can figure out your phone and come right back. Let's go to Brody on KDKA in Pittsburgh. Back to the other side of the country. The beauty of radio. Brody, go right ahead. Am I am I clear, Isabel? We're, we're, you you we're sound in terrific. Listening area, fantastic. <laughs> you sound awesome. I wanted to talk about the uh, Rich Valdez. Thank you for being on the air. Thank you for your service oh, to you radio. And I'm calling on the Jim Bohannon legacy line. Jim, we miss you up there. Amen um, to that. I wanted to say, yes, amen. And I wanted to say uh, the. Uh, the, the, the cancel culture that changes these uh, teams' uh, names and everything. Um, uh, the Native Americans want to make the Redskins back to the Redskins. Um, could they get? I'm from Pittsburgh, but I have friends in Cleveland too with the Cleveland Indians. Would we be able to get that name back too, or is that offensive as well? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's a good point, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, my position on this is. You know, unless it's something that's hugely derogatory. And again, maybe it is. Maybe I'm speaking from a place of ignorance, like Redskin is, is um, uh, extremely derogatory. And, and if it is, then I guess they had to come up with a plan. But if you have a Native American group, and again, maybe they're not a mainstream Native American group. Maybe they're like some 
fringe group. But I, the point that they made was you can't erase history. And, and, and I understood that. So I, I, I appreciate their position on this where it's like, look, you, you, it's been that way all this time. You know, you can't change the fact of what actually happened. So, you know, what are you, who are you kidding? And I, I think the same way. Now, I think if there were a team that had a derogatory term from the days of racism uh, and, you know, I, I'm, that, that might be up for discussion because people won't like it. But it's it's I think everything's in the conversation. You, you have to have the conversation and you don't want to promote. Um, it's true. Right. In our country, there was a time when individuals who, who were African-American were mistreated, killed, all sorts of things. And if there was something that was synonymous with that, I, I for one, I'd be like, well, that doesn't seem cool. You know, you should probably not do that. So I, I get where they're coming from. Uh, but I also um, understand the, the value of the brand. And I think, if anything, you know, it, it pays homage in many ways. But maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'd love for somebody from one of the native tribes to call in and maybe weigh in on this. But, Brody, I think you're right. It, you know, cancel culture can't drive the conversation uh, oftentimes it's it's ill-placed ire, in my opinion, and it just doesn't make sense from a marketing perspective. But we're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Thank you, Brody. Um, don't go anywhere. Again, the number 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-4. going to Sedona, Arizona this time. Pat is with us, and I think he sounds loud and clear. Pat, go right ahead. Hey, Rich. I'm very sorry. That's not very nice what I... I no, that's I fine. My computer going and it takes Don't worry about it. You got, you got a minute and a half Wait, before the music kicks in. Okay. The lady that you had on, I wish I could remember her name. I wish I could have talked to her, but she couldn't have been so Sheila Steinmark. About, mm-hmm, yeah, go ahead. She... She was wrong about the brand. Let's talk about mistakes. Okay, Bud Light. We all know about Bud Light. What a, what a goof. You know what? The only thing us consumers have is our boycott measure, mm-hmm. which I don't like. But you know what? That's our only one. The Redskins, Washington should be the Redskins. And look at Cleveland. Everybody, you know, what's Cleveland's new name? I bet you nobody knows what it is. It's, I it's, don't know. It's, 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 and here's another big classic. Boo boo, Coke and classic Coke. Remember that? That was a yeah. billion dollar boo boo with them. And people get used to a brand. Budweiser is the was a number one in the world beer. It was American, made by German immigrants. Something to be proud of. Oh, you know, and and then the Redskins. All right, they've had a lot of racial problems. They were one of the last teams that ever had a black quarterback. You know, because they their owners didn't want a black quarterback. So you know, they do have a racist background. It's wrong, but it's not now. 
now we are trying to go forward. And if you keep doing this racist stuff and this woke agenda stuff, we don't go forward. In this. Yeah, I hear you, Pat. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate the call. And I think it makes sense. You can't let the wokeism get to you. Folks, Open Phone America is coming up right now. Get your calls in 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Welcome to our number three of the program. We call it Open Phones, Open Phone America. It's a time-honored tradition here on the program, started by Larry King in 1978, continued by the late, great Jim Bohannon for 30 years, and we continue the same tradition here with you all, coast-to-coast, and looking to have a good conversation with you tonight. Any topics on the table, the ones we have on the table, of course, were the the Redskins changing their name, uh, as well as what's going on with military recruitment and allowing uh, previous marijuana use, and the immigration crisis in New York and our buddy Curtis Sliwa getting arrested. Now, that's just what, part of what we talked about. There's more I want to get into. In particular, uh, I feel like the... The left within the media and the left within the Democrat Party, the left-wing activists, I feel like they actually are scared. And I don't say that to be provocative or, or just for rhetorical purposes. I really mean it. Like, I feel like they're, they're afraid. And what they're afraid of is, in my opinion, Donald Trump and people that support Donald Trump. Now, why there is such fear, I don't know. Uh, maybe part of it is political to kind of fear monger a little bit, but it, it just fascinates me how, how they look at things. Now, most of you that are listening, are, whether you agree with me or not, whether you agree with my politics or not, you're very reasonable people, right? By and large, reasonable people. Not everybody's a crackpot. But you've got this one host on MSNBC. He was on the Morning Joe program today. His name is Mehdi Hassan. And he literally was ranting about his fear that El Trumpito, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of these United States, Donaldus Magnus, El Presidente, they feel that he is a flight risk. Now, I got to tell you, 
Well, you, let him tell you, and then I'll tell you what I have to say. Listen to this. I genuinely think we need to start having a discussion about whether this guy is a flight risk. And I don't say that lightly. I would never have said that even six months I ago. I don't either. But the closer we get to trials, the closer we get to trials, the more serious it becomes. Looking at how hardcore yep. these indictments are from Smith and Willis, looking at the risk Trump is in. I don't know if you saw him joking, quote unquote, joking with his followers the other day. I wish I was in France right now, not in America. Uh, you know, nothing is off the table with this guy so i genuinely think we've got to talk about what you know what is his exit strategy apart from plea does he have anything else he might want to do you know this is so funny one because he's got that great british accent makes it a little funnier but two what crime has donald trump been convicted of really like in, in real life what is he a career criminal is this someone that has ever shown uh, a need to be labeled a flight risk did the government tell him, don't give, uh, you know, please give your passport, don't leave town? Did they say you have to land your private plane that you can't fly, the one that has your name emblazoned on the side? This man is running for president of the United States. He's a billionaire builder that has buildings with his name on them all over the world. Do you really think Donald Trump is going to pull a bin Laden and go hide somewhere in Pakistan? In some bunker? I mean, the mere suggestion of this is so stupid. And people are so easily suggestible to even think that that's somewhat reasonable. I think this is one of the craziest things I've heard. That Donald Trump, we have to have a serious conversation whether this guy is a flight risk. What indication does anybody have to think that's actually the case? I can't, I can't, I just can't. This is just out of control. Uh, but that's what's going on. And, and these people are, they're just afraid. I don't know why they're afraid, but they seem to be just so afraid. Let's go to Doc in Wilmington, Delaware on WDEL. Doc, go right ahead. Rich, thanks so much for taking my call. I really appreciate speaking yes, with sir. you, sir. I, I respect your intellect. I know where you're coming from. Um, two points. Uh, well, let me ask you, before you get into that, there. do you think Trump is running away? Do you think he's a flight risk? No way, Jose. Yeah, no way. This is, this is a figment of the imagination of the far left of this country. Um, the negative side I see to, to, to my Ukrainian people is this. I see a, a movement within the Republican Party, which is neo-isolationist, neo-isolationist, going harking back to the 1930s and their opposition yeah. to FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's dangerous mm-hmm. in the times we live in. But it's being fueled by one thing that, that I will agree with you on. We are spending too much money in Ukraine. It's not getting to the fighters at the front. We have to have people on the ground in Ukraine, not as troops, but as auditors, to see where this taxpayer money that Biden is probably is going. I don't think in my gut as an American citizen, I'm an American firster, that this money is going to the people that need it. I want your thoughts on this, sir. Doc, I'm with you. I think we need a full accounting. I mean, you know, it's one thing. Look, let's backtrack a little bit. President Zelensky made a request to President Trump at the time, right? Whatever that was, 2019 or so. And he said, look, we need uh, we need some aid. We need whatever. We have this potential threat that's always there. Our evil neighbors next door, blah, blah, blah. And Trump says, well, you know, let's make sure that this isn't going into the wrong hands. Why? Because there was already a history that I talked about earlier about uh, that we discussed with good old Joe El Baboso Biden using a pseudonym in his dealings with Ukraine. Right. So he was covering up his name, calling himself Robert L. Peters 
in emails he was CC'd on when his son was doing business in Ukraine on the board of a Ukrainian energy company. Right? This goes back to when he was vice president. So Trump knows this, and he's asking, you know, what kind of deal is going on there? What's the story? What, what are you going to do with these weapons? Making sure that it's legit. So he withholds this aid to make sure it's not falling into the wrong hands because Ukraine is not necessarily a country that has been on, uh, I don't want to say on the up and up, but they're not strangers to corruption, right? Which we know and we've seen. And this is why they fire prosecutors and they've had, you know, numerous presidents. And it's, it's been a, a rough situation for them. And that's putting it gently. So I think Trump was judicious and, and, and smart in what he did. But Biden is forking over the money hand over fist. So the question becomes, what's going on with all the money? It's not that we don't want to support Ukraine. I support Ukraine. I really do. I want to see them win. I want to see them have sovereignty. I want to see them be whole. And I want to see Russia leave. But you're right. We need auditors. We need somebody on the ground saying, what is going on? What are you doing with this? Now, it's going to be a little bit harder for them to hide these new jets that they're getting with um, the administration finally approving some uh, air power for them, uh, F-16s that are coming from Denmark and the Netherlands that are going to be sent to Ukraine. And that's, that's great. But we, we need to make sure everything is getting used the right way. And I'm with you. We, we definitely need that. And there needs to be reports of it because people are clearly tired, right? And it's not tired of supporting uh, Ukraine. It's tired of feeling like they're getting hosed. It's tired of paying more at the gas pump. It's tired of paying more at the grocery store. Tired of paying more on everything. If you go to buy a car, you're paying more. If you're going to anything you do, you're paying more. And it's not just regular inflation, you know, um, cost of living adjustments. People are paying considerably more, you know, 15, 16% more. And that's by their conservative estimates. So when people are saying, wow, things are tighter for me, and I've got to put my kid through college, and I've got to do this, and I've got to pay my rent, and rent is through the roof all over the place. Housing sales are, are, are difficult because they're very expensive, and, and interest rates are high. So I don't blame any American that wants to know, where's this money going? And by the way, Joe Biden, that's not your money, right? By the way, Congress, that's not your money. And I think that's where we are. So I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it, it's, a, it's a very um, it's a, a smart suggestion. And it's probably something that we should push for sooner rather than later, Doc. Thank you. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more are coming up. We're going to continue our discussion on everything we've been discussing. Going to add in a couple of headlines as well. i got some audio I want to play for you as well. All of that straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, Anthony. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night 
with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. This is exactly how we got to January 6th, right? It's this game of rhetoric. It's this game of, of playing on people's emotions, feeding them 10-second sound bites, lies, uh, this is exactly how we got to January 6th, and that is ultimately a fear of mine, that we get to that, that, that just unbelievable flashpoint again because somebody's willing to put their selfish desires of, of being in power over top of the country. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I, I just feel like this is such a golden opportunity for, for the Republican Party to pivot here. I think America, including Democrats, are begging us to do something better than Joe Biden and Donald Trump in this 2024 cycle. All right, that's Jeff Duncan. Again, I played him the other day. He's really good if you need a, a silly-sounding soundbite. He's your man. And he says, it's a fear of mine that Trump's rhetoric will lead us to another flashpoint. Like I said, they are afraid. Whether it's Jeff Duncan or the first guy, Mehdi Hassan, saying Trump is a uh, flight risk. Come on, come on. Now he's saying that, you know, um, another flashpoint. Listen, they've got to do better. People aren't as dumb as they think they are. Anyway, let us continue to the phones. Let's go to Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Check in with Jerome. Jerome, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Hey, yes, Rich. sir. Are you listening? Are you listening? The whole world is listening, Jerome. <laughs> well, I don't know about the whole world, but you are. Hey, if he tries to leave, it'll be sort of reminiscent of like that O.J. Simpson uh, chase scene several years ago. <laughs> he's, on the, he's on the highway. He's, he's, he's on the highway. He's on the, he's on the 101 freeway. That's what it would be like, you know? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, as funny as that is, um, Trump does legit have his own jet, and if he were going to be leaving, he'd be in one of those black Secret Service SUVs doing the O.J. Simpson chase. It would be the funniest spectacle in the world. And, of course, it's not going to happen. Why are your friends on the left doing this, Jerome? My friends? Trump? Hey, he's the, he's the, he's the P.T. Bottom. He's the ringmaster. He, he did all this to himself. But Trump's not the one. He didn't say he was going anywhere, and he's not the one saying that he's a flight risk. It's, it's your buddies on the left. It's called karma, man. Look, he'll never get on the witness stand, okay? His lawyers will get up in P.T. Bottom and, and Gigolo and whatever else they can come up with to keep him off. He'll never get on the witness stand. Never. What would he get on the witness stand for? He's on the record every single day speaking on these things. I mean, that's kind of irrelevant. I think the big deal here is it seems that the, the Democrats, the left within the Democrat Party, the left within the media, they seem really afraid that that it's just not enough that Trump might skate by, that he's going to run away, that that he uh, he might have another flashpoint. It, it's all based on fear. Um, yours is not so much based on fear. I think your criticism of Trump is just you, you don't like the guy. But it, it seems like so many people are afraid of a guy that they say is of no consequence. Why? If this was President Obama, you, Fox, and all these right-wing talk show hosts, you'd be putting in a whole new bank of phone lines You'd be doing 24-7. It'd be like a telephone. You'd be so ecstatic about all this. I mean, it's just, it's just comical how they defend him, how they defend Trump, you know? What is it about him, man? What is it about well, I don't I think get what, it. I, I'll, I'll, well, listen up. I'll tell you. I think what it is about him 
is that they don't get any convictions. They just come with charge after charge after charge. It's clear as day to most people that don't dislike him for no reason that this is clearly to slow down his campaign. This woman, Fannie Willis in Georgia, she says, all right, let's have a trial. When do you want it? The day before the, the Super Tuesday primary where five states have their primary in the same day. Why on earth would you do that, right? That makes no sense in the world. What makes him think you could call up the uh, the election guy on the phone and say, hey, all I need is 11,221 votes, one more than what we got, and everything will be just copacetic, everything will be all right. What makes you think you can pull something like that? If that was Obama, you know what? You would be like, I mean, they'd have to resuscitate you to be so excited. <laughs> that might be true, but what makes me think that a, a candidate in an election can call the Secretary of State's office, or a sitting president for that matter, and, and express his displeasure with an election to point out things that he thinks were not right? I mean, that sounds on the level to me, right? What are you supposed to do if you, if you have a problem with your election? You get on the phone and you try to work it out. And you say, hey, look, I think we've got a problem here. I want you to find these votes that are missing because they were, apparently there were missing votes and saying, get me the votes that I need. I, I don't see the, the issue there the way you see it. Uh, I think it's, it's clearly your, um, I don't want to call it Trump derangement syndrome, but I'll say your dislike of Trump, your very enthusiastic dislike that causes you to think everything he does is bad. But I think that's literally coloring within the lines. Remember when, uh, remember when he harassed President Obama so mercilessly, so bad about not being born in this country. Oh, yeah. I had to go Kenya. and get his birth certificate and get on national television. Hey, he is loving every stinking minute of this this whole Trump deal, yeah? Because he already said no one is above the law. Oh, 100%. Uh, nobody's above the law, and I think that's why it's so important for us to make sure that we don't treat Trump like he's beneath the law and we give him a chance to defend himself against these phony charges. Um, and that's why I give people like you a platform to come on the program. I've given you more time than I give some of the guests because I want America to know what the other side has to say. So, Jerome, I really appreciate the call. It's always a pleasure. Any final words? Hey, keep drinking the Kool-Aid, Rich, because it ain't working. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We had four good years of Trump. We might have another four. That Kool-Aid tastes pretty good to me. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Big shout-out to Jerome, Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Now, uh, straight ahead, we're going to get to the rest of your calls. Uh, I, uh, we might have one open line, and we got a jam-packed call board. We're going to, I guess we'll have to do the speed round to try to get through everybody. But we've got calls from Decatur, Illinois, Idaho, Montana, Chicago, Ohio, Oregon, straight across the country. We're going to get your opinions on everything uh, straight ahead. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the news that came out today with Trump now proposing an April 2026 trial uh, in federal court. So we'll see what's going on with that and if, if he'll get that. That seems to me the way to do it. If the government didn't bring the case before his campaign, then they should wait till afterwards and let him run the country from jail. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down. The new White House Leavenworth or wherever they're going to decide to put him. And of course, he's not going to get locked up. I say that tongue in cheek, but that was for you, Jerome. Anyway, folks, more to come straight ahead. 833-482-5337, 833-4-Valdez. And of course, 
on the internet, on all the social media, at Rich Valdez with an S. Looking forward to your comments on there as well. Don't go anywhere. We are coming right back. It's Open Phone America with me, Rich Valdez. Okay, hold on a second. That is Congressman Ruben Gallego. He's from Arizona. And at a town hall yesterday, he said, if you're a Republican, you have a bunch of guns and cow nuts on your truck. He said it, not me. Play it again. If you are a Republican, you have to have a bunch of guns, some uh, jacked up, you know, uh, truck with some, you know, those little uh, cow nuts hanging in the back. If you're a Republican, you have to have a bunch of guns, a jacked up truck with some cow nuts hanging in the back. That's your cultural identity now. Now, listen, I don't know if this is racist. I'm not typically the one that would say, that's racist, sir. But it, it really just seems rather derogatory. Now, I have a big truck, but I don't have any cow nuts there, sir. Uh, we come equipped with our own, sir. Unbelievable. Let us go to the phones on this one. Let's go to Brad in Decatur, Illinois, W-S-O-Y. Brad, what say you? Hi, Rich. Uh, you was asking why they're afraid of Donald Trump. If you please give me 30 seconds, I think I'm happy I to do it. But I have why. to know, do you have a bunch of guns, a jacked up truck and cow nuts? No. OK, just <laughs> not, clarifying not my for the audience. Things to... <laughs> All right. Okay. Go right they, ahead, Brad. They are. Ab- yeah, they are absolutely corrupt, elite globalists. Their goal is to weaken the U.S. economy and military and Trump is the exact opposite. He wants economic and military strength. They are for open borders to allow the flow of drugs and people who know nothing of the Constitution. Both of those things dumb down the population, and they're easier to control. And they want to control everyone's lives. Trump wants freedom and liberty. And they are sending a message, Rich, don't ever run for president if you or not, if you're a populist or you're not part of their corrupt club or they will throw you in jail and your family if they can. You're not lying, brother. I mean, when you, when you hear this, it's not just an attack on Trump, right? Even President Biden, he's the mega Republicans, the mega extremists. You know, it, it's just it, they repeat it so often that people start to believe it. My good friend uh, from the coffee shop I used to go to and I don't go anymore. I, I go sometimes, but they sold the place. Uh, because they're planning on on doing other things and maybe even moving to Florida, uh, and I said, so it's funny, you you um, you know you, you're you're part of the reason that you're selling the place is because you realize that Florida is a better place, right? <laughs> and, and things are better there because things aren't great here because of the Democrats that are in control. But he would never acknowledge that, and we'd get into these big debates. <clears throat> 
but we were talking about that. And one day he said, well, you know, it's just that the Republicans are so extreme. And I said, but what's so extreme about uh, people that, that, you know, just have these beliefs? Uh, I think you could make the same case and say that the Democrats are extreme. But that's not the case that they make, right? And you're right. Uh, it's these, um, these global elite types, the, the, the people that are in charge of BlackRock that are always looking to make a new, a new problem. They own just about everything or have their hands in everything. And ultimately, they're not concerned with you or me or anybody else that's waiting on hold or listening to this program. And I think Trump realizes that you can make plenty of money in this country as long as you do the right thing. Now, I don't mean, you know, right? I say that and people start saying, oh, is that why he hired those people to build the Taj Mahal in Atlantic City and didn't pay them? And is that why this? And he went bankrupt and he did. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about Trump has historically just done the right thing. He doesn't have a criminal record. He, he, he's, he did the right thing as president, in my estimation. I mean, of course, that's open to, to debate. And you're welcome to call us at 8334-Valdez if you want to have that debate. But I feel like you're right. They hate him because he did the right thing, empowered the people, let people make more money, take the government back a little bit so that people can do their own thing. And the last thing, a, I, I'm going to say a tyrannical government, although it's probably a stronger word choice than I'd like to use, uh, but a, a government intent on holding all of the, the reins of power for them and for their enrichment the last thing they want is a guy like Trump that's like, look, live and let live. We don't need the wars. We don't need this and we don't need that. So thank you for the call, Brad. I appreciate it. Excellent point. Uh, let us uh, quickly, I want to go to this clip that we have of Mayor Eric Adams, cut number 12. He says that in a complaining fashion that illegal immigrants have been unjustly dropped into the laps of New Yorkers. And he's upset about this. But yet he still hasn't changed the status of the city from a sanctuary city. What do you expect? Listen to this. This is a national and statewide issue that has been unjustly dropped into the lap of New York City residents. We only make up 0.05 of the land mass in New York State. 0.05. That's what we make up. Yet we are housing over 99% of the migrants. Listen, I'm not arguing with him. I'm not arguing with him at all because he's right. The city's being overrun. That's why our buddy Curtis Sleba joined us earlier today to talk about how he was protesting it and got arrested for protesting it. This is uh, a huge issue, and it's going to come to a city and a neighborhood near you. Let's go to Paul in Nampa, Idaho, KBOI in Boise. Paul, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Thanks, Rich, for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, just, a couple things. just a couple of things, sir. One is uh, I was glad to hear that Curtis is still alive and well and and uh, doing the, the red state thing in a blue state. Yeah. He has a rough go up there. And, uh, you know, you had just got to be talking about the Ukraine war that's going on. I, I think it's going to be just about perfect timing for the F-16s to show up for the ground game with the tanks that they're sending over, that Biden is sending over. And I, I think they, they may stand a better chance of getting somewhere as far as dro- driving those Russians back. Yeah, I think you're right. When they have the air superiority, when they have the air superiority, and they have the ground game with the tanks to back them up and the infantry and the artillery. So 
I think that's a good thing. I think it's going to I think it's going to do the trick. What do you think about the uh, immigration problem in New York City? Well, we we see it on TV, but they show the same clips, so there's there's nothing new to go by. That's that's the way the fake news does it. You yeah. don't get any new and improved uh, accounts. And if you go over to the fake news, then you get just a total out and out propaganda lie. And yeah. so you, that's why you I brought really Curtis on tonight, uh, just so that he could give us the scoop on what's going on. And apparently, there are people that are getting locked up, people that are wanted by ICE. That go into to that are arrested in New York City and immediately released so that they can go and offend again. Yeah, and it's, you guys have a sanctuary city there in New York. So you lamentably you've almost invited them to come in, and I I don't know why you would do that. I think Adams is partially responsible because that's what they had was a sanctuary city issue before they ever had the migrants come up by bus. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Paul. I appreciate the call from Nampa, Idaho, KBOI in Boise. Big shout-out to KBOI and everybody listening there tonight. Folks, we're coming straight back with your calls and more. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, so we've got immigrants taking over New York City, and again, it's coming to a neighborhood near you. Let's go to Diane, Chicago, Illinois, WGN. Diane, go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Um, I have a lot that I'd like to say, so I don't think I'll have time. Anyway, I wanted to combat what Jerome was talking about also before I talk about what I was going to talk about with the migrants situation. But anyway, he had, um, you know, talking about the like, news bites and everything. And we all know how CNN for the, you know, seven years has been just, you know, so biased and everything. And ubiquitous there, you know, ubiquitously in every public building, lobbies, everything. And CNN is pretty much of a having monopolized with their bias over the years. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of the things... Um, if, he, if he's interested in these little tidbits and everything, well, do you, are you familiar with that uh, thing that I think it went viral, which was um, the the Michelle comment about the flag? Oh, uh, just recently, a few days ago? I think it's more than that. It's maybe almost two weeks ago now. Okay, yeah, yeah, I saw she, it. I did see it on, on the uh, social media. I was trying her, to find kind it. Of the, the, the lip-reading thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Um, I have a Twitter account, so I'm anonymous on there, but I had it a long time. <laughs> it's always so great to, to stay. My opinions on there. 
Yeah, you, you find out all the good yeah, stuff and, I, and all the great videos on Twitter. Right, and there's just, you know, there's so much on there. So, but anyway, but I did a reply to that and, on that. But anyway, she was actually with her husband early when he had just been elected, and apparently they were at a ceremony. And she, um, as the first lady, new first lady, you know, and she's um, sitting next to her husband, and she whispers to him a comment. And you can obviously see she's saying all this for a damn flag. And it must be, and it's one of those ceremonies where they do the folding of the flag for a widow or something, you know what I mean? Right. And that's so offensive, and that tells you where her sensibilities are at, you know, if you want to put it that way. And, you know, that type of thing. And then also birther, if Jerome is talking about the birther thing, that, I think, came from Sidney Blumenthal, Blumenthal, who's one of the uh, advisors to Hillary at the time way back, and I think he started it. But see, he, a lot of people that are, if you want to say maybe deep state type people, they start things, but they, they keep in hiding. But anyway, I was going to say about the migrants, we have like 11,000 here in Chicago. Now, tonight's a beautiful night in Chicago. There's a beautiful breeze. And of course, people who look at a postcard of Chicago, they say, I want to go there. And who wouldn't want to go there? You know, there's the bee in the lake. Okay, so you take the people and you, and you throw them here. And they're walking around now in groups. They're getting a wrong impression about America. They're not taught about, they're not knowing anything. In, in their, their children are learning that you just come to America and it's, you get something or you get your ice cream cone, you get Salvation Army, you get the clothes. And I'm not trying to be cruel here. I'm, I'm, and I'm a Christian like you are. But, you know, um, they're walking around uh, in all the places like Gold Coast, John Hancock Building, and you can almost get in their head and think, here's a young man, say, 20s, in his 20s. His naturally, any human being like Jefferson meant America to be for the common man. So all over the world, everybody wants pursuit of happiness. Sure. So this is disillusionment for them because when the weather blows in and it's cold and they're out at, late at night walking around, I'd probably do the same thing. I'd say, gee, I like this town. Look at the Gold Coast. Look at the beauty. I like some of that. I like some of that. But you don't get that by just coming to a, to to this country by just showing up, right? You've got to work hard and earn it. And it's just that there's nothing really for the next corner to turn for these young men. For instance, I'm talking in in to kind of relate to what a young man would aspire to. So it's only human to sort of want something like what's next. Well, then disillusionment, and now I'm seeing signs where they're um, asking for money, and I saw this sign in English saying something about enough money and something about, and it's different from the signs that the if you want to say the regular, quote-unquote, homeless people are showing, you know, sitting with the cardboard sign. These are like, I've noticed this lately with this lady on so the red So you've got line. migrants in Chicago. They don't have anything to do, they're, and they're homeless, and they're looking for money. Well, they're not homeless. They're given temporary lodgings that uh. are in areas like in the Gold Coast area, so then they spend time outside you know, enjoying the city, strolling around everything, looking around. I'm sure they buy food and all that. I think they get a bus pass and everything. But yeah. this is like a leapfrog into a society that they're not even becoming familiar with, plus not knowing the language. Yeah. So and it, it, it kind of underscores the point and the importance of assimilation. And if you come to America for the American dream and you're kind of robbed of that dream because you're put up in some hotel and you're, you, you know, it, it seems like a vacation rather than, you know... Uh, a migratory trip to make your life better. 
And I agree with you. You're handicapping the people that are coming here by not letting them, those that are coming to work, let them work, right? I mean, if they're here, might as well. Just putting them in, in hotels and saying, hey, good luck. You know, we'll give you some money. Maybe we can get you some, some, um, some type of cash assistance or whatever isn't really helping anybody. Excellent point, Diane. I appreciate your call and the, the weather report you gave us. That was really lovely, too. I appreciate it. Big shout-out to Diane in Chicago, WGN in Chicago. Folks, we're coming right back. We're going to wrap it up with the rest of your calls. It's going to be the speed round, so you got to keep it short, keep it tight, and keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, here we go. Let's go to Titus, St. George, Utah, KZNU, or is it KNUZ? Hmm. Anyway, Titus, go right ahead. It's KZNU. Yeah, I was just calling about the whole Redskins thing, and while I was on hold, I was thinking of a different uh, example of the same thing. Have you heard of the band Lady Annabelle? Sure, yeah. They changed their name too, right, to Lady A? Yeah, and they actually thought it was racist. So they changed it to Lady A while suing a black lady for the name. I mean, that's crazy. And, you know, it's funny, you know, antebellum is the the post uh, Civil War era. And you would think, you know, antebellum is not not a, a bad thing. But uh, I guess they, they wanted to make it into a bad thing. And uh, there you go. And I know some people say the antebellum South where they were still, you know, kind of wanting to go back to uh, those days. But I think you could also frame it in a way where, you know, post-antebellum, we are who we are today as a country. So, yeah, excellent point, and you're right, and the hypocrisy of it, suing a black woman for, for, for the rights to that. Just insane, insane. Titus, thank you for the call from St. George, Utah, KZNU. Uh, keep calling. I appreciate hearing from you guys in Utah. And we continue. Let us go to Paul, Zanesville, Ohio, WHIZ. Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, Rich, I'd just like to know something about the, you know, I, I think that those F-16s being uh, put over there through uh, Denmark and the other country there, do you think that'll change the scope of the war there? Because, you know, Ukraine's been on the defensive. Now they're going to be able to have the ability to go on the offensive. Um, will they be allowed to go, you know, I don't know, by some convention or something, will they be allowed to attack, you know, like Russia on their own borders now? Because if, if, if something isn't done to stop this war, which I think Donald Trump would do. And by the way, is he a flight risk? No. Come on, people. He's going to be running for the president of the United States of America. For real. He's running to the White House, Paul. You know, I think you're, I, I, here's my thought with Ukraine. Yes, you give me some F-16s and I'm Zelensky. I'm going on the attack. I'm hitting the Kremlin. You'll bring a, a quick end to this war, in my opinion, because now they can fight. That's been the big issue now that they weren't able to fight. So uh, I'm glad that it's happening now. General Tata said too little too late. I hope that's really not true. I hope that it, it, it can turn around. But uh, his point was that they've lost so much already that, you know, it, it, it not to be it would be for naught, but at a great cost. Paul, thank you for the call. Big shout out to WHIZ. Let us continue. Let's go to Michael Pendleton, Oregon, the other side of the country. K-U-M-A. Go right ahead. Uh, Rich, uh, 
uh, great show as usual. I uh, promised to call in earlier next time. I, uh, <laughs> sorry about this. Um, yeah, I Thank you. wanted to say I had a, um, uh, uh, I'll make the other point next time I call in, but I had a respectful disagreement with former Attorney General Barr who didn't feel Donald Trump will be the nominee. Ten I seconds. feel very much that President Trump will be the Republican nominee. I think a lot of people agree with you, Michael, and I appreciate the call. Hopefully you'll be able to call in again tomorrow. Frank in Evergreen, I'm going to owe you this one, but he says there's a bill to make a gay rodeo a state sport in Montana. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Folks, take care. Good night and God bless. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.